Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And uh, speaking of traveling the world, we're actually here in beautiful Granada, Nicaragua. And literally uh, five minutes ago, we just finished an amazing cruise on the Granada Islands. And uh, 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 make sure you uh, check out our blog as we actually documented it all through photos, videos, blog posts. And uh, we're traveling currently uh, through South America and now Central America overland. So uh, yeah, uh, you know, tune in for all of the pictures, videos, and blog posts and more uh, to get inspired to travel yourself. And one, one of the things we're doing as we're traveling is we love interviewing fellow world travelers. And uh, actually, we've been doing a series all about expats, expats who, are, who have actually relocated from their home and native land, no matter where that is, to a new country or a new continent and a new culture and a new lifestyle and sometimes even a new language. And uh, we actually have a world traveler, uh, you know, a professional photographer and an expat who's actually originally from Australia, but now he's actually relocated to uh, Manila, Philippines. And uh, that's uh, actually a place very dear to my heart because my wife's actually from the Philippines and she's uh, her parents actually in Makati. So we've been there a couple of times as a family, and I've been there once solo. So about three times so far to the Philippines. So uh, definitely uh, amazing country. So uh, Stuart, how are you doing over there in beautiful uh, Philippines today? Good day, Ricky. How are you doing? Uh, yes, it's a beautiful day out here today. Uh, we're right in the middle of the, the warm, sunny season. Awesome. Well, you know, welcome to the show, Stuart. Why don't we get to know you a little bit better to start? Uh, if you want to do a quick introduction and share a little bit more about yourself. Okay. Yeah. Well, as, as you said, Ricky, I, I'm an expat. I've been living in the Philippines now for, for six years. Uh, prior to living in the Philippines, I spent six years in New Zealand and I'm originally Australian. Uh, what brought me to the Philippines was work. Uh, I, I work in the corporate world for a global market research agency and my responsibilities are for Southeast Asia. So even with my work, I get to travel. I'm away one week a month, typically in Myanmar, Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, um, and, and here in the Philippines. But uh, in my spare time, um, I love to travel. And I pretty much focus most of my traveling around my photography and uh, search out the best photographic opportunities and then uh, plan my, uh, my holidays and my vacations around that. And as you would know, we get quite a lot of public holidays here in the Philippines. So it gives me quite a lot of opportunities to, to spend long weekends uh, around Southeast Asia. Awesome. So I would love to hear a little bit about your experience. I mean, you've been living in the Philippines for six years now. Uh, so obviously, uh, with any uh, lifestyle, you're going to have your ups and your downs. You're going to have the things you like and you don't like. So let's start off with the positive. What are some of the stuff you love about life in the Philippines? What do you like about living there? Well, I, I think as an expat uh, coming to the Philippines, one of the favorable uh, things is it's very much an English-speaking country. So immediately you're not challenged with a language barrier. Um, everybody is very fluent in English. Everyone uh, loves to speak to you in English. Uh, I often get asked, you've been here six years and uh, you obviously speak Tagalog. And I, I have to shake my head and say, I speak it very poorly because every time I get involved in a conversation, uh, people want to practice their English and people want to improve their English. And so my Tagalog is very awful. Uh, some of the, the positive things about the Philippines is the people. Um, everyone you talk to about uh, about coming to the Philippines, whether they live here as an expat, whether they travel here as a, as a tourist, they walk away and say the Filipinos are some of the most friendliest people 
that you'll meet in the world. They open up their homes and their hearts uh, to you. Um, and, and then 7,000 islands means that we've got some fantastic beaches. Um, and they're almost hidden in as much as everyone, you know, when I first uh, told my friends and family in Australia I was moving to the Philippines, a lot of them said, where? Philippines, you know, the Department of Tourism hasn't really done a great job uh, marketing uh, the Philippines, such as like Thailand and Malaysia and uh, particularly for Australians, Bali in Indonesia. Um, the Philippines is not one of those uh, destinations high on people's list, which is a shame because, you know, I know you've spent some time uh, traveling around the Philippines with, with your family and uh, you, you will have experienced firsthand you know, some of the, the beautiful, pristine beaches that are, are not well-traveled by tourists. And then you've got the, the tourist uh, places like Barakai and Cebu, which are very well-traveled and uh, typically marketed to the Japanese, the Koreans, and believe it or not, the Russians. We get a lot of Russian tourists coming down into, the, into Cebu and Barakai. So I think, you know, uh, uh, the people, the, the weather, um, the lifestyle, it's a, it's a pretty laid back. Uh, lifestyle, a um, lot of advantages, and and for an expat, the cost of living here is is very uh, very attractive. Um, anywhere you can go and buy a bottle of beer cheaper than a bottle of water, it's got to be a great place. Yeah, those are definitely some uh, perks about life in the Philippines, and I totally agree with you on your sentiments about the Filipino people. Uh, some of the most friendliest locals you'll ever meet in your entire travels and I've traveled a lot and as of you have and yeah definitely Philippines is incredible in terms of hospitality, the kindness, the just the genuine, uh, the warmth of the people and uh, you mentioned cost of living of course, uh, quite cheap to uh, live there, to travel there and uh, the beaches and the natural beauty is uh, spectacular. Uh, yeah. But you know uh, every country has its uh, good things and its bad things and I'm sure um, you have those expat gripes uh, about life in the Philippines so maybe you can share with us some of those things you don't like as much. Yeah, look, I wouldn't say don't like. I would say that, you know, it they become a challenge. And after a while, you know, you spend six years here, it becomes part of, you know, the accepting that lifestyle. But I think the biggest challenge that most people face when they come to Manila or the Philippines is the traffic. Uh, we have a hundred, just over a hundred million people. And most of those people are concentrated in the big urban centers. Um, I live here in Makati. And, you know, we have about 1.2, 1.3 million people living in a very small uh, area, high density living. I work seven kilometers away from my, my home and it can take anywhere from 30 minutes to get to work to three hours. Um, and, you know, when you say to people three hours to do seven kilometers, they just scratch their heads and uh, just like you are, <laughs> just scratch their heads and go, how? how? How does that happen? And it's, you know, lack of public transport, lack of infrastructure, lots of cars on the road, lots of jeepneys, lots of trikes, lots of buses, lots of taxis, lots of cars. And I, I think for most expats and most tourists, uh, you know, when they land at the airport, and fortunately, our airport has been upgraded over the last couple of years, so it's not quite as confronting as it used to be. And when I first landed, uh, I first came to the Philippines in 2005 uh, on a visit, and I landed at the airport and was didn't know where I'd landed, to be quite frank. It, you know, it was quite confronting. Um, the airport's been fixed, but uh, you get out of that airport and you jump into the traffic and you just go, wow, where have I landed and you know, why did I come here? 
Um, so I think the traffic is the big one. I think the other thing is uh, over over the past uh, number of years, you hear a lot of people talking about the bureaucracy, how, how long it takes to get things done, you know, get a driver's license, uh, anything to do with the government uh, seems to take uh, a, a lot longer than, you know, particularly if you're coming from a Western a Western country, and that can frustrate expats a lot. Um, and I, I think the other, the other thing is uh, there's a lot of, I suppose, false talk about lack of safety. And I think a lot of tourists and expats come here a little bit nervous about about their safety because they obviously on the news they they hear about the not so positive things, whether it be, you know, quite recently, the uh, the incidents down south in Marawi, um, or, you know, since we've had our new president, the the, uh, the the war on drugs. And, you know, as an expat living in Makati or in BGC or in, in, in some of the more expat enclaves, you're immune to that. As a tourist, you travel to the Barakais, the Cebus, um, and the tourist places, and effectively you're immune for that from that. It's like any country, any big city in the world. It's got pockets of places, and I'm sure as you've travelled through uh, Latin America and into Central America, you're being told to avoid places, and you're finding that you know it's not as alarming as as people make it out to be. And I think the Philippines gets a fairly bad reputation uh, from the world media in as much as, as that. And I think people come here and after they spend a little bit of time here, whether it be a week, uh, four weeks or five years, I think they quickly um, find out that a lot of that bad reputation is, is not warranted and not justified. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I tell, I felt totally safe. I even went to some of the more dangerous parts of the Philippines, like Zamboanga, and then I traveled, uh, you know, um, by the boat from uh, Malaysia into Zamboanga. Traveled overland into the uh, Mindanao area, which is kind of the a little bit uh, more dangerous part of the Philippines. But totally yep. felt safe. I'm not sure if it's because maybe I might fit in more, but uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Just uh, overall, I felt very safe in the Philippines. And of course, uh, there are areas that you should you should avoid, like any big city. But uh, overall, uh, yeah, thanks for sharing um, those kind of those uh, parts of the Philippines that it definitely takes a little bit of getting used to. And I'm scratching my head yeah. about the Philippines, but uh, the 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 I, can, uh, I I picture myself back in the airport, and I, I know exactly what you said. Get out of the airport, and boom, you can hit the traffic when you're going to wherever you're going in uh, Manila. But uh, yeah. of course, if you're going to the islands uh, as a tourist. You're going to avoid the traffic and, um, you know, most of those islands are uh, more secluded and more peaceful and uh, less traffic. So, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, my advice to most tourists um, when they come into the Philippines is spend as little time in Manila as you can. Um, you know, there's there's a few heritage places to go and see. There's a few tourist sites to see. But effectively, the beauty of the Philippines is not in a big um, popular, densely populated city like Manila. Spend two to three days in Manila, soak up what Manila has to offer, and then get out into the provinces where you know life is a lot easier. It's more traditional, and and hit some of the pristine beaches. And you know you really walk away from Manila with a oh, sorry the Philippines with a great experience. Awesome, awesome tips there. Uh, so curious to know also about uh, some of your global travels. Uh, you said you travel quite prolifically for work, yep. uh, you know, uh, one week out of the month, but also you travel on leisure uh, quite a bit as well. Maybe you can cover some of the regions of the world that you've traveled to and anything that stands out to you. 
Okay, well, I know you're Canadian, so I'll, I'll, I'll start with uh, most probably <laughs> it was the top of my bucket list, um, and that was to photograph polar bears in the wild. Oh, so yes. back in back in 2013, I uh, I uh, ventured to Churchill in uh, Manitoba, which is in the the middle of nowhere. Um, the only way to get to Churchill is either via rail, which is a couple of day trip, or a chartered flight. So I was with a group of people, all photographers, uh, on a chartered flight. We landed into the middle of nowhere in the middle of winter and spent five days out on the tundra in a buggy, um, living out on the tundra and, and photographing, uh, photographing the polar bear in the wild. It was an amazing experience. Um, it was a dream come true. I ticked off the number one thing on my bucket list and have spent the last few years trying to work out what the next number one is. Um, in two weeks' time, I'm off to South Africa um, to a, a reserve called Madikwe, which is on the border of Botswana and uh, South Africa. Uh, I'm going to spend six days uh, with, with, a, with four other photographers uh, photographing, uh, photographing the big five and hopefully the African dog. Um, Adikwe is very, uh, very well known for the painted dog. Um, it's not that widespread through Africa. It's a wild dog. It's quite bizarre looking. Um, doesn't look like a pet. Um, so that che cheetah and wild dog are the two two animals that I'm really hoping to to see in Madikwe. It's not my first trip to Africa. A couple about 18 months ago, I was in Kenya, and I did the Masai Mara, Amboseli, um, which was my first taste of uh, of Africa. And I sort of fell in love with the wildlife photography. Up until then, I'd be, been pretty much focusing on the traditional. Uh, travel photography, which is, you know, go into a city, photograph the, the, the architecture, the buildings, the people. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, we were in, um, in Vietnam and uh, I travel to Vietnam quite often for work. But as a, as, a, as a worker, you don't get to see a lot. You get to see a hotel and you get to see meeting rooms and conference rooms and, and things like that. So deliberately went and spent five nights, uh, sorry, uh, six or seven days in uh, in Ho Chi Minh and in Hoi An and really focused on uh, the objective was to photograph the Vietnamese people, the workers, you know, the market 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 storeholders, the, the agriculture. We spent a, a day out on the Mekong Delta photographing what the river life was like. Um, so, yeah, as I said earlier, you know, most of my holidays, most of my travel adventures is, is based around photography. Um, I'm a little envious, Ricky. Uh, uh, South America is not a place that I've uh, that I've ventured to. I've been lucky enough to get to Mexico for work, but again, it was a hotel room and a, a trip from the airport to a hotel. Um, my daughter, who's who's 27, she's got the travel bug as well, and she's beaten me to to America. She uh, in October spent uh, four weeks uh, doing um, uh, sort of Latin America. So it is, that's most probably, I've got one of these, I don't know if you've seen them, one of these scratchy maps where you scratch off all the places that you've, you've been to. And I pretty much, Asia Pacific, I pretty much covered, covered most of uh, Western Europe, um, now venturing into the, into the African uh, continent. But uh, Latin America is pristine. So uh, it, is on the, it is on the list. Um, I'm kicking myself. I used to live in Auckland. And I spent six years living in Auckland. And every time I went on vacation, I traveled north and I should have gone east. Um, I should have traveled to, to South America, direct flights from Auckland to Santiago, 
a reasonably short flight compared to say flying from Manila. Um, but I didn't do it um, and I'm kicking myself now. So I've got to find a way of uh, getting there um, and, and having a look at, you know, what the Latin American uh, continent has to offer. But at the moment, uh, you know, this year plans are Africa in, uh, in two weeks time. Uh, over the Easter break, we're off to El Nido, which is a beautiful part of the the Philippines to do some island hopping and take some photographs of uh, some some beautiful islands. Uh, then we're planning um, a road trip through the south of France um, later on in the year, um, really sort of landing in Nice, jumping in a car and driving through Provence and and across the Lords uh, and then up, up into Paris. So uh, I'm a planner. I, I start the year and I, I get a list of all the public holidays, list of all the breaks, add my vacation, and then start ticking off destinations. And I think for me, half the fun of travel is the planning. It's it's getting on, you know, and I, I think we live in this beautiful digital world now where we've got access to so much information that I can jump on a number of websites and immerse myself into wherever I'm going. I use a lot of Google images to have a look at the photographic side of things. You know, uh, for example, the drive through the south of France, we've picked little villages to uh, Airbnb at to, because they're beautiful, they'll make great photographs. Um, and so half the fun's planning and I plan a year in advance. Um, you know, at Christmas time, I remember a couple of years ago, I went down to Auckland. My mum lives in, uh, sorry, Christchurch. My mum lives in, uh, in in Christchurch in New Zealand. I was sitting on my mum's lounge and we were just about to have Christmas dinner. And she said, what are you, you're, you're on your iPad. You spent the last four hours on your iPad. What are you doing? I said, I'm planning next year's Christmas. I'm going, <laughs> wow. I, I'm going to New York for next year's Christmas. This is, so I, I plan that far in advance because I enjoy it um, and it makes it easier for when I land in a country, I'm pretty well con, uh, versed on what I want to see, uh, what, you know, what the light's going to be, sunrise, sunset for photography. Um, I reach out through my Instagram connections, my Facebook connections to get insights. I'm, I'm a member of a lot of photographic groups. I'm a moderator for a fairly big travel and landscape uh, group. And through that, we can sort of network and we get sort of some inside tips on the best time to go to get a photograph, where the light's going to be, that type of thing. And obviously, Ricky, I've been following uh, your travels a fair bit. And uh, next time you're in the Philippines, uh, you know, if your family's in Makati, we must connect. They are indeed in Makati. My in-laws, my uh, wife's uh, parents are there. And then we have a lot of relatives there uh, from my wife's side. So we'll definitely uh, catch up with you with you on our next trip over there to the Philippines. Uh, so curious to know about uh, photography because that is one of your uh, passions, as you mentioned. Uh, maybe you can give us some tips uh, on taking better pictures because I think uh, we who travel, we definitely want to take better pictures, better videos, write better blog posts. So uh, since you are uh, passionate about that area, uh, what tips would you give to us? where maybe not as uh, good at, at photography as you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, yeah, the, the, the single, what the, I think the first tip that most photographers would give is don't sleep in, get up before the light and get that really great early morning light. Um, you, you look at most photographers and in the middle of the day, you don't see photographers you don't see a lot of professional photographers around there. They're either um, editing their, their images in a hotel room or they're doing the touristy things. The best light is at the beginning of the day and at the end of the day. 
Um, so, you know, particularly if you're taking landscapes and 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 nature photography, photography or wildlife photography, the animals are far more uh, moving around and doing what animals do fairly early in the morning. And then you get that beautiful golden hour of an evening, and then the sun sets, and then you get what they call the blue hour. And you know, you take some majestic, majestic photographs of you know cathedrals and castles in that sort of that blue hour. Um, the other piece of advice, and I learned this quite recently. Um, I never used to be a people photographer. I used to hate people in my images. You know, you, and it, you know, when you travel as a tourist and you go to, you know. Um, Taj Mahal. I was in India a couple of years ago and I wanted to get a photograph of the Taj Mahal. You try to take a photograph of the Taj Mahal without anybody, without any people in it. It's almost impossible. And I was one of the first people at 5am to line up to get the sunrise. And I actually achieved a photograph of the Taj Mahal without people. But then I took some photos of the Taj wow. Mahal with, with people. And... Um, you know, as I publish them on websites and, and Facebook sites and, and things like that, the photographs with people get more likes. The photographs with people get more response because people can relate to them and they put themselves into that into that uh, position. So, you know, as a, a budding travel photographer now, I'm, I'm, I'm not that opposed to having people in my, in my pictures um, because it adds to... The environment of that 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 destination or that site, because to be quite honest, when you go to the Taj Mahal, you're going to be surrounded by people. When you go to the Vatican, you're going to be surrounded by people. When you go to Ayers Rock in the middle of Australia, you're not going to be there on your own. And so, you know, I learned over the last few years as I've sort of travelled more and more and 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 taken more and more uh, street photography and 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 travel photography that. Include people, but be selective. You don't, you know, you know, get them doing something, or you know, have them, you know, candid, natural. It's not opposed. Um, you know, um, my partner, she's a Filipina, by the way, and you know, as you most probably know, they love being photographed. So you know, when we go, I've sort of got to say, okay, Ivy, uh, these are photos for you. Pose, pose, pose. Now get out of the road. I'm taking uh, the the travel photos and strangers can walk through and you're you're okay with that um the other piece of advice is and 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 this is a very well-known quote the best camera is the one that you've got in your hand um i've seen some fantastic images i've taken some pretty good images on the old iphone you don't need to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a camera um i just happen to love cameras so i do have quite a few cameras um but you know a lot of people feel a little bit uh, nervous taking photos or getting into photography or putting their photos up on websites because they don't have great gear. It's all about composition and it's all about your eye and it's all about composing a great photo. And you can do that. Um, uh, you know, the, I just bought the latest iPhone 10 and man, it takes some amazing photographs. Um, so, you know, um, iPhone, Samsung, whatever brand of phone you've got, whatever camera you've got, you can take fantastic photos. It's just a matter of thinking about the light, thinking, and because, you know, the definition of photography is actually painting with light. So light is, you know, the most important aspect of, of, of photography. And even though I said, you know, at the beginning of this, um, most photographers don't take photos during the middle of the day, that's not quite true. There are times where the middle of the day is a great time to take photos. It might not be the best time to take photos of, um, you know, the natural landscapes and things like that. But 
in the middle of the day, I tend to wander into markets and into street scenes where you've got the shade of the tall buildings or you're in the markets where people are selling fruit and vegetables and livestock and meat. And you, you don't, you know, you don't need that light because you've got the artificial light. So there are a few tips I could go on forever. It's a, it is a passion of mine. Um, I'm very rarely not too far away from a camera. Tell us also about the whole editing side of things, because one thing to take a good picture and then a whole other thing to get it out there, produce it in the final version of it. So how much editing do you do? What kind of software and any editing tips you might want to give our viewers and listeners today? Yeah, so I shoot in RAW. So RAW is basically like the old days, it's a negative. So it requires processing. Um, a lot of people will shoot in JPEG where the camera will process it. Um, the beauty of shooting in RAW, it allows me a lot more flexibility to manage light, white balance, uh, things like that. Um, typically when I go away for a week, let's say if I, if I go away for a five, six day trip, I will come home with over 2000 images. Um, so editing is something that I actually enjoy. I talk to a lot of photographers who hate, hate editing. They'd rather be out taking photos. I actually enjoy editing because for me, it prolongs my vacation. Um, I'm still editing photos from Vietnam and I was in Vietnam before Christmas. Um, and so, you know, I use, I use both Lightroom and Photoshop, the Adobe products. Um, I, I, I import all my photos into Lightroom. It, it's a great um, tool for cataloging and, and sorting images. I, I go through and find the best images and I start editing them. I'm posting them up to a number of websites, my own website, Instagram. Um, and then I'll go back and I'll do the whole process again because I'll miss images. And I, as I was saying to you, I was in Africa the first time about 18 months, nearly two years ago. You know what? I'm still finding images that I didn't process the first time round because I'm taking a fresh look at them. So, you know, one piece of advice a photographer friend of mine gave me was sometimes you've got to walk away and, and di disassociate yourself from that last photographic shoot and then come back and have a look at, oh, my camera's gone off, has it? Oh. Keep going, keep going. Uh, you know, uh, with, with, when we're traveling and when we're uh, connecting on different uh, ends of different continents, it's all good. Uh, keep going with your phone. Okay, not, not a problem. Yeah, a photographer friend of mine said, uh, disassociate yourself from a, a recent shoot, walk away, do something for a, a few weeks, come back, and you'll look at that, you'll look at those images with a different set of eyes, and you'll see things that you didn't see the first time. And I, I find that quite true. And so I, I spend quite a amount of time of editing. I, I think in an average week, I most probably do three to four hours of editing. Um, even when I'm not traveling, I'm catching up with, uh, with photographs from previous times. I try to post on Instagram every second day. So I, I'm looking at you know, images. Uh, Instagram's really changed the way that I, I photograph because it, you know, um, landscape photos in in Instagram don't work as well as portrait photos. So I'm now what I what you tend to see me do is I'll be taking a whole bunch of landscape orientated photos, uh, and then I'll go, okay, that's for my website, that's for my Facebook page. Now I need to turn the camera the other way, and I need to take the same sort of images but compose them for Instagram because portrait images work much better in Instagram. So, you know, uh, and I, I think about the composition and how I'm going to edit these photos as I take the photo. 
Awesome, awesome tips there, Stuart. Uh, so you mentioned you have your website, you got your social media, your Instagram, etc. Uh, maybe to close off here, you can share with us how can people uh, connect with you and check out some of your amazing photography on the World Wide Web on social media. Okay, thanks for that, Ricky. I think the easiest way would would uh, hit me up on Instagram. It's at Stu Jam Travels. So S T U J A M Travels. Uh, I, as I said, I post. Um, nearly every second day. It's a mixed match of all my travels. Um, I'm not the best curator. So, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll jump from one photo that might be in the middle of Africa to a polar bear to, to some, uh, someone on a boat in the Mekong Delta. Um, but uh, it works for me. And, you know, I, my Instagram account, I've got quite a number of followers, but, uh, you know, I do it for me. And so, you know, if I get followers, that's great. Um, people leave comments, that's fantastic. But at the end of the day, it's I, I curate it for my own uh, pleasure. I do have a website. Um, I'm not quite as prolific on the website. What I tend to do is the website tends to be the archive of a, of a trip. So, um, you know, there's Vietnam, Thailand, Philippines, Cambodia, Spain, um, catalogs there. Uh, that website is www.stuartjamisonphotography.com. So um, I'll, I'll send you a link, and um, Ricky, and it might be easier just to put a, a link in, in the video because um, my name gets spelt quite a number of different different ways. Um, but they're the two easiest ways to, to, to see any of my photographic work. Um, anyone you know listening or viewing this who's thinking of coming to the Philippines, Send me a DM. Love to uh, shoot with you um, somewhere around the Philippines. Uh, we get a lot of photographers. Photography is huge in the Philippines. Um, surprised me actually um, how many people pick up a camera, and not just the selfie and the and, and the you know the 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 iPhone. But when you go out and you start to set up a tripod and you you put your camera and your filters on the camera, how many people start coming up to you and saying, "Oh yeah, look, I do that. I've got camera." Um, and then, you know, just seeing how many people are wandering around um, the different sites that I take photos at with cameras. So anyone heading to the Philippines, uh, hit me up. Uh, love, to, love to go out shooting with you or if you want any advice, happy to, happy to help. It's a great place to visit and I, I thoroughly recommend people coming here. You're definitely a great ambassador for the Philippines and also for uh, photography. Uh, thanks for all of your uh, tips there. Uh, definitely a great wealth of info. I will actually have those links below that Stuart mentioned his website and also social media, his Instagram. Uh, I'll have those links below so you can actually um, click right through and follow along on uh, Stuart's Instagram journeys around the world. Uh, so Stuart, I know you got to get into uh, work doing that seven kilometer journey. I hope you have a good one. Not the three hour version, but yeah. the, maybe the, the, the less than an hour version. So good luck on that commute there. And uh, thanks again for being on the show today. Thanks, Ricky. Thanks for having me and uh, safe travels. Thank you. Thank you, Stuart. And I, I look forward to catching up with you, as they say, IRL in real life when we get over there to the Philippines. Not a problem. Look so, forward to thank it. Thank you, everyone. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of our Digital Nomad Mastery uh, podcast and videocast. And uh, thanks for following along uh, on our journey as well uh, with daddyblogger.com and also digitalnomadmastery.com. So, thanks, everyone, and happy travels.